That one, year number four. It's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels. Let's all sit back and enjoy a chat about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hello, everyone. It's Craig Wessels, and I welcome you to this live episode of A Yank on the Footy. And it is 7 o'clock on the East Coast of the United States on the 25th of April. And uh, I've been a little frustrated with my uh, Podbean app and my uh, the live version of the app. So I've decided to go ahead and do this live episode on Zoom. Hopefully we'll get a couple people that are hopping on. I have somebody in the... Uh, in the waiting room, that's going to be hopping on here in just a moment. But uh, wanted to uh, to dive into a couple things. We're going to talk about the games from the uh, ANZAC round, and there were a couple of other uh, stories that have come about this week that uh, I thought were rather important as well. And uh, I wanted to get into those. Um, but this was just an an absolutely beautiful round uh, that. Uh, of, you know, just the, the pomp and circumstance, if you will, of the um, the Anzac Day ceremony is just something that that is just really, really awesome. And I uh, I'm 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 just absolutely impressed by it. Uh, so I'm just jotting a couple things down on my computer here real quickly before I get going. And. Uh, yeah, there we go. OK. Um, But I, before I get into anything else regarding the uh, um, the games of this week, I do want to take a moment and pass along my condolences to the family and friends and teammates of Antonio Loiacano, who played with the Birdwood Football Roosters. He died this weekend. Uh, he's 20 years old as a result of a tragic uh, collision during uh, his club's contest. Uh, was flown to the hospital. Did not survive, unfortunately. And uh, it's just a a, a tragic event. Um, I did read that there have been some instances in which um, Organ donations have taken place that uh, that have helped uh, one young man and one child as well. So I'm, I guess the best way I can say it is that the, uh, you know, we've got some good that has come out of a very tragic event here. Um, and and I wish his uh, his like I said, I wish his teammates, I wish his family, his friends, you know, my condolences, all the best. Uh, definitely thinking of you. And uh, why close out every episode when I do, you know, get in touch with your friends, tell them you love them, call them, check on them, that sort of thing. Uh, far too young to be uh, to be gone, but it's just I, I wanted to make sure that I referenced that and, and uh, spoke about that uh, before we got too far along. Now, I did want to also get into a couple of other stories this week uh, besides recapping the games. And uh, I do have. Uh, um, one of my soon-to-be guests on the podcast, we've already recorded the interview. He's going to be coming on here in just a moment. Uh, Tim Outhred is going to be coming on, as well as uh, Benjamin Castle, who is one of the uh, brothers who runs the Americans watching the footy 
uh, podcast. They do a fantastic job with that. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and bring both of them in right now because uh, I know that uh, that Tim is a Bulldog supporter. Uh, so let me go ahead and bring both of them into the room right now. And uh, gentlemen, when you are ready to hop on and, and turn your mics on, you feel you feel free to go ahead and do that. Um, be great to talk to you here. We're going to, you know, kind of run through the games of the week. Um, I know Ben, you and your brother do a fantastic job doing this. You do a, I would argue a much more detailed job than I do, uh, covering the games. Uh, but, uh, would love to get your take on some of the things, um, as well. But, you know, there's a couple of other stories that I want to get into today while we're, um, while we're doing this. So, uh, and they're not necessarily related to the specific games of this week, but uh, there's some things that I wanted to get into. Uh, and I was reading on um, the uh, Code Sports website today. Hello, Tim. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks. How are you? I. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, really good. Good, good. So, Tim, it, it's early there for you. It looks like, you know. Nice, bright, sunshiny day there. <laughs> yeah. And, lovely uh, weather this weekend. And is your, your your cat leaving you alone right now? Uh, she's around. Always. <laughs> okay. And uh, Ben, is Grian your cat? Ah, uh, Grian is officially Ethan's cat. Is officially uh, he's Ethan's somewhere cat. around the house right now. Okay. And did I, did I see that, did I see that kind of on the download today that the cats actually signed uh, Grian Myers to an extension? I thought I saw something about that online today. We'll, uh, we'll double check on that front. Okay. I thought I saw that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this was, I don't know about the two of you. You two have not met, but, uh, you know, uh, Ben is out in the San Francisco Bay Area and has been, you know, you guys have been doing your show for what, about a year and a half now, right? Uh, yeah. Almost we started soon. in like, a, like late February or early March of 2022 americans okay. watching the footy it's yep. been it's been great to be able to network with footy fans not just in australia but also in america so we've we've got a good group that's still growing here yeah we do we do except for you know that 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 uh, that guy who had the broken computer during the fantasy draft this year but we won't talk about that uh because <laughs> i'm still sitting uh i haven't won a game yet this year on uh in our league <laughs> oh, it's, it's been a, it's been an absolute disaster this year. I'm not, not the, the, the add the player button was, didn't show up on my screen. So I kept moving people up to the top and they, by the time I get to them at the top, somebody would draft them and then it would take whoever happened to be there. So. Yeah. I, re oh, I remembered you were having to work through that. I, I want a nail biter this week. Um, I had to go up against a uh, captain Nick Dacos. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's uh, wow. Yeah. What? 40 disposals this week. So I held on by, I think like 23. Huh. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, fortunately for me, I guess, uh, Tim has not gotten on there to check his, his team at all this year because he has like four open spots and Mason Cox is still in his lineup. So, um, if it wasn't for him, I would be, I'd be looking at buying a new, you know, shelf to put my wooden spoon on because I'm, I'm terrible this year. Um, <laughs> but you know, Tim, I know you're, you know, you are a, a huge bulldog supporter and, uh, you know, that was the first game of the round. And I, I, I'm wondering, you know, first of all, you got to be pretty stoked 
you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll admit I tipped Frio to win this. And I, I, I said, if it was in, if it was at Marvel, I probably would have taken the Bulldogs because it was a home game for them. It was kind of a toss up for me. I went with Frio yeah. and, and Fremantle spent, I think way too much time worrying about Rory Lobb than actually playing a damn football game. I agree. Yeah. Well, I, I was scared that, uh, the gather round kind of momentum of the home teams having this huge advantage would then uh-huh. translate into the Frio game um, because we had suffered a, a big loss over there in that round. Um, but in this this round, I couldn't believe how much focus there was on Lob that they forgot to play footy. Yeah. Um, and that just gave us the incentive and the momentum just to keep on top of them and just blow them out of the water by the fourth quarter. It was just a landslide. And Ben, do you, I mean, Ben, did you think it was just a, uh, a crazy amount of attention that was, was paid to him? I mean, it's, you know, it, I mean, I, I think that's part of the story yeah. obviously is that, uh, you know, there was clearly a bit of a focus from Fremantle on getting back at lob in some sense, but there were just, Defensively, I didn't like a lot of what they were doing. I have been really critical of Alex Pierce defensively a lot this year, and I'll get more into it um, on our show, which we're going to be recording tonight, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Pierce ten- Pierce gave Jamar Hagen far too much space um, in his one-on-one, and even though Jamar didn't end up kicking accurately for goal himself, he was an important connector otherwise. Right, right. And so that was just the beginning of their troubles there. I, I, Pierce has taken a real backslide this year, and I, I just I don't think it's just him getting old. Is is the captaincy too much for him as well? I'm not I'm not sure. I, I would love to hear from you know some more Frio fans on what they think. We have one in our fantasy group, uh, Lee Howard out of North Carolina, who no, we have two. echoes Gil. my sentiments. Gil also. Gil, yes, Gil right. Griffin. Yeah, Gil Griffin is also a huge Frio supporter. You know, and. and and, sorry, and, sorry to forget him. He's he's in yeah. California like we are. Right. Lee's been more vocal though. And he well yeah, and he's and he's been he was lamenting online about about how bad Frio played and how it's tough to be a Frio fan. And I just I just I didn't mention it, but I'm thinking I've spent almost sixty years being a being a Cleveland sports fan. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> hey, guess what, uh, Craig? Yeah. You and uh, you and uh, us, particularly you and Ethan, will have will probably have something in common soon. One of our favorite teams moving away. Yes, yeah, the A's are heading out. Yeah, it's uh, go O's. You're going with the Orioles. My dad's side's all from uh, from Baltimore. I've got, okay. got O's fans over there. Okay, okay. Um, I'm I'm planning on being at the the Orioles Giants series for at least one game my birthday weekend. I, I yeah, I saw you guys were there at the Giants game what yesterday I think. Ethan was yeah okay well, he's, okay he's covering it. Oh okay well that's why he was there yeah I. Okay, it's you know I I'm just uh, I you know, Fremantle just it they look they're starting to look a little bit like when Ross was coaching the team that they have forgotten again how to score goals because you know that was kind of the the, the thing that was on you know in Ross Lyons' sides they they played halfway decent defense which they didn't necessarily do here but then they also they never they never could put the ball through the sticks and it was always like if you could just score two more goals a game you'd probably be playing a home final game the first round. But they it seems like they've regressed. And uh, you know, I'm going to mention it in the, in the St. Kilda game here later on. You know, St. Kilda is, you know, Ross's St. Kilda team is a little bit like Happy Gilmore about three-quarters of the way through the film when he tells Shooter McGavin, uh-oh, Shooter, I learned how to putt. 
you know, it's kind of like, you know, him being, you know, telling the, uh, the other club, the other clubs, you know, we've learned how to actually put some points on the board as well, instead of just playing defense against you. But, uh, it is, uh, I don't know. I think the wheels might just fall off on Fremantle completely. And it just, it, mm-hmm. I think they're too good of a side for that. Mm-hmm. It, I think really they, they could have used another year or two to, to get this new forward group in motion before, but, um, you know, they were thrust into being an even younger side than, than maybe they would have liked really quickly. Mm-hmm. And Matt Tabiter still being hurting out for likely the rest of the home and away season. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's already damaged goods in the first place, but it means that Jai Amos and Sam Sturd and I guess Josh Corbett, who was the sub have to take even more important roles. And they just don't look ready for it yet. And look, even, even as an Eagles fan, I, you know, we, we, backed Rio to to rise last year and we'd hope that could continue but it's going to be I think another couple years before they really take shape again um forward of forward of uh just the forward 50 in particular what do you think about that Tim yeah well they were kind of poor in both areas um but I really noticed that the Bulldogs could apply a lot of pressure in their forward um just maintaining that pressure and then picking up scraps. They couldn't get the ball when it was loose on the ground. Um, so we scored a lot of goals from that. Uh, like Trelaw's goals, we just, you know, scrap at, scrap right in front of a mm-hmm. goal. Um, they couldn't, they weren't putting their body over the ball to try to, to try to pick it up or even just take a tackle um, just to see what happens. It was, yeah. Just a, a typical, like that's playing into the hands of the Bulldogs is that we like to play scrappy on the ground. We're not so good in the air. Um, we can score a lot, uh, you know, just taking sneaky dribble kicks and all sorts of, you know, um, bananas and stuff, just not from set shots, just, you know, picking up the scraps. And, you know, and you look at the, you know, you look at the clearance battle, I mean, it was, you know, the Bulldogs had 43, the, the, the Dockers 42. So it wasn't like, it wasn't as though the, the Bulldogs were getting their hands on the ball a lot more frequently. Mm. Uh, it's just, you know, they were just much more effective with it once they had it. I mean, they were, they were scoring over half the time they got, they got the ball inside 50. Yeah. I mean, on the board. Hugo Hagen missed, missed these goals um, because he couldn't get from the set shots, but everyone else was having a go at goals because they were getting the scraps from those. Yep. Well, we, we have somebody, uh, we, we now are going to be having a, uh, um, a, a, dis, a, uh, distinct advantage for, for cat supporters in the room right now here, uh, with, <laughs> with, with Ben's brother, Ethan joining us here, the other, the other host of, of, of their show. Now, Ben, I want to ask you, and you know, you don't have to take it off here, but you know, from a metaphorical standpoint, if you were to take off your Eagles cap, were you more pleased with the Eagles' performance in their defeat against Port Adelaide than a Dockers supporter would have been in their defeat against the Bulldogs? If you're looking at the second half, and I would say, uh, I would say I was more pleased with the Eagles because, like it, like they did uh, in the gavel round, they stuck in the game more. Um, their younger pieces are are doing more. Ty Cully had four goals much more forward time for him and I 
I mean, I, I didn't necessarily expect that, but he made the most of it. And Bailey J. Williams is growing into a ruck role more. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be a starring ruckman. If there's going to be anybody on that list, it's their recent draftee, Harry Barnett. But it, I'm just really disappointed in that second quarter again. Uh, just like it was against Geelong, uh, mm-hmm. Port was able to work out that distance in the second quarter alone. If you're looking at, you know, between the Eagles' performance and Frio's performance... It was similar final score. Surprised the Eagles actually won by, uh, lost by less than than the Dockers did. Yeah, I so, mean, I I come I come off this game, I come off this round thinking better of the Eagles than I do of the Dockers, given where I expected both teams to be at this point in the season. Right, right, yeah. So had had those two sides played this week, had it been had the Eagles and the Dockers had played this week, do you think uh, the Eagles would have? possibly defeated them this week i could see it i still think it would be maybe a two to three goal victory for Frio. i just okay. think the, the i think the outs for west coast would have still been too damaging and sean and sean darcy had another sean darcy was so massive in that western derby mm-hmm. and tim english prevented him from being all that effective against um in that opening game of the round i was really focusing on that ruck matchup from the beginning and english and darcy did go with each other sometimes full field um and english is the more capable ruck outside of those main contests so he won his battles offensively and defensively yeah yeah so what other, you know, looking at the rest of the games this weekend, and I and I think maybe we take maybe we take Collingwood and Essendon out of the equation here because I think maybe people might argue that was the game of the round. Um, but what what other what other games stood out to you? You know, because it was a great game, or the you know, the stuff that happened during that game, you think is going to have major impact on the rest of the season. And you know, and each one of you can you know certainly jump in on that one when you know if you've got if you've got one there. And I'm not sure, you know, you know what you, you know what games you did watch or what you didn't watch. But uh, well, <laughs> it's good for the cats just to get that win to get some confidence again, um, but to maintain that momentum from last week as well. Um, although another big percent haul for them. Sorry. Yeah. Another huge percent haul for them. They're 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 up to yeah. the second best percent in the comp, and good that they could work that out yeah. early. I mean, definitely I an undermanned Swans group they were against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So both both play, having played, you know, not great gelling teams, but at least you know they they're getting some stats up, and mm. they're a chance at the eight rather than no chance as before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I was. So uh, I think that's important for them. I was, and 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 I I jotted down in my notes, and I I said that I I know that that Sydney back at their training area they they have circled the 29th of June on their calendar because that's when the Cats go to the SCG and and I'm just gonna say it right now even though I'm a Cat supporter that game will be a much closer game than the one we just saw this past weekend. Yeah, and they came off a huge win against the Tigers, so they would have been quite confident that they could get over the cats actually i think so that's quite a good quite a yeah. good win for the cats yeah and and just the swans were just so beat up though i mean there's there's they had, you know 
the McCartans are out, you know, uh, Buddy Franklin's not back. And, and I, and I think Buddy in many ways is still, you know, is kind of becoming a, almost a shell of what he had been. Um, but no Dean still, Randy either. yeah, that's yeah. And, you know, um, Amarty was out as well and he's going to be gone for like the next eight to 10 weeks because it sounded like he had, you know, didn't just pull the hamstring. It sounds like he tore the tendon in his hamstring, uh, from what I, from what I saw. And I could be wrong on that, but you know, I, I was, you know, I, you know, the, the, the midfield, you know, for the, the swans is still very solid. Definitely. Um, yeah, but it's, yeah, but I, I'm, I, you know, I the thing I was the most impressed, and it was something that happened towards the end of the game, and it and it's just something that, and he's he's kind of becoming the the player that that I that to me is kind of the uh, the the weather gauge, if you will, or the barometer for the for the cats, and is is Zach Guthrie, yeah, because I, you know I've yeah you know, since I started following the game in 2016, I've got a I've got a the 2017 team poster hanging up in my classroom. And Zach Guthrie in that poster from just six years ago looks like he's only about a third of the way through puberty. I mean, it looks like it. It looks like he he's still singing alto in the in the junior high choir in that photo. But he's a professional football player at that point in time. But that he has grown into his role. And there was there was a, a, a an event that happened with only about a minute and a half left in the game where he'd taken the ball on the uh, right at about midfield and was 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 moving forward with it. You know, they're trying to run the clock on. It could have been something where he would have said, okay, you know, we're up by 90 points and, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, get tackled. We'll have a ball up. We'll just go ahead and keep going. And he, he face planted someone with a stiff, with a stiff arm where he fended somebody off that an NFL running back would, would shake his hand for this, this action that he had where he just planted this Swans player in the turf just with one hand. And it was like, this is a kid, you know, at a point where it's, you know, it's a 90, 90 point game right there where it, the game is ostensibly over. And he said, you know what? I'm not done because I'm not sure if this spot is mine next week. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I think he's just an extraordinarily hungry kid and he's just, he's, he's becoming fun to watch. And it's just, you know, he's somebody that I love watching play the game. It took a while, I think for, for Chris Scott uh, and company to realize, wait a minute, Zach Guthrie is not quite his brother because they've been trying to cast him in a similar role to Cameron for a while. But these past couple of years, they were able to, to figure out how they differed, giving Zach more freedom there around, mm-hmm. around half back. And I mean, Ethan has, has really sung his praises as, as much as anybody that I've heard um, these past couple of years. Um, it's, it's Zach, Zach Guthrie and Max Holmes that are really leading that younger group for the cats mm-hmm. and speaking of Holmes, just still looking more and more natural on the wing actually got the time that he needed there these past couple rounds and the cats have been all that much better for it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's uh, I'm looking at the, uh, at, uh, from, from Ethan here, he's, you know, he's mentioning, you know, that he was impressed by the dogs, especially Bailey Williams disappointed with Frio being more interested in fighting lob. Yep. than actually playing. Yeah. Uh, the Carlton forwards, yeah, disappointed, impressed by Melbourne, yeah. Which, and with the Crows, I mean, you, you look at the Crows and Hawks game, which you know was one that I think you know I, most people I think probably would have tipped the Crows in, but I think you still have to tip your cap to the to the Hawks who battled and you know and the Crows had to you know 
this was a, in many cases, this was kind of a win-win game for both of them because the Hawks battled against a club who right now is in a better position than them and took them to the wire. So they, 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 they can, they can kind of, you know, keep their, their chin up about that. But then also the, uh, the, the Crows can also look at the game and take some good things from it, knowing that they were able to fight back and put the winning points on the board with, you know, with Fogarty's kick there late in the game. So I think there was a, there was, it was, you know, even though they didn't get the points on the ladder, I think that, that, that Hawthorne had to come out of that game feeling okay about themselves at least. And, and, you know, you could argue that, that the Hawks are, are better off without those points. Anyway, remember these are the Hawks okay. still without Mitch Lewis with mm-hmm. Max Lynch having been concussed in the game. So they were down, uh, one of their talls there, and they kept battling. Their midfield, I could really see the direction that's going. Connor Nash had his most impressive game yet on on ball and also had just a damaging tackle that, again, a lot of NFL players would mm-hmm. be proud of. But, yeah, that's it's an important win for the Crows being able to win in a venue that certainly hasn't been kind to them. It's their first win, I believe, in their last four games in Launceston. And... It was still the younger part of their list that was able to stand up late between Rankin and Fogarty. And right, right. Taylor Walker was really talking post-game in the, the interview with Fox Footy on the Oval about how he's really starting to see some more maturity from that younger part of the Crows list. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, four wins in a row for them. Their schedule is getting much, much harder from here. So right, the right. important points that they had to bank They've got the Pies next Sunday at Twilight at home, and then they got the Cats after that. Oof, that's a tough. Yeah. Tough <laughs> well, and I think people did overlook that game because, I mean, not just because it was you know the first game on Sunday, because there was the overlap there with the Carlton and St. Kilda blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yeah. It was kind of the we can go ahead and put this in here because I, yeah, because I think when they made the schedule, folks were thinking, okay, well. I think, they, and when they did that, I think they might have expected Carlton to be better, not necessarily St. Kilda in that regard, because, you know, I don't know how many people actually would have had St. Kilda in their eight this year. I, if they did, I would be impressed. Uh, I'll admit, I think I had him 16th. Okay. Or, or 17th, yeah, well, even. I, I think yeah, I had him as a wooden spoon contender. Yeah. This could just be. Nice to hear from you, Ethan. Um, this could ju- <laughs> this could just be, you know, that early season jump from from new coaches because it's happening with with Brad mm-hmm. Scott as well. But one of the things that we did mention, uh, Ethan and I, in the offseason when we were talking about Ross Lyon getting rehired, is you know we didn't see much of a of a great defensive structure outside a couple players for the Saints. They had um, a lot for them going forward, and maybe. Maybe just having a more defensively minded coach when you already had this scoring ability was exactly what the doctor ordered for the Saints. Because I, I didn't expect to be talking so much about about how much I've liked uh, Josh Battle being uh, a supplementary um, intercept defender alongside Cal Wilkie back there. And Wilkie was closed off for most of the game. That's uh-huh. the one thing that I thought Carlton did well is that they kept a man on Wilkie. I believe it was Jack Silvani. I thought Battle had a really interesting game where he was like the most interesting net zero ever, where he was either giving away a free or making a great play with like no in between. (laughs) 
kind of kind of like Joey Gallo. Yeah, kind of like uh, uh, Rusco last night too. I thought, although he ended up being more positive towards the end of the game. So, you know, I I wanted to. You know, there were a couple of other uh, issues that I wanted to touch on that that have uh, that have you know that have been in the news here um, today. I I and I just want to toss these out while I have you know Tim while you are here, you know, being an Australian fan of the game. Um, you know, the three of us are Americans, you know, the Ethan and Ben, Benjamin are both still baseball fans. I've given up on baseball. I, 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 I'm waiting on my Rob Manfred voodoo doll to show up at my house. So I can, I'm not going to use pins. I'm going to pound railroad spikes through the damn thing. Uh, Please do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't stand the guy either. Um, because, you know, I just, just the, the rule changes the, 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 and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but you know, the clock stuff, just, you know, the pitch clock and the get in the box thing. And, and just, I, I, the getting rid of the shift, I think is a terrible idea because you're rewarding bad hitters. Yep. I'm, um, I'm okay with the clock. Like when the bases are empty uh-huh. or when it's a blowout, like nine to two in the eighth inning, it's like, all right, we yeah. let's wrap this yeah. up. But, but one of that, the extra inning rule is the worst of all. Yeah. The other put the, the, the runner at second. Yeah. Yeah. But the uh, the thing I wanted to get into today is is you know the, the AFL is now making a push and you know Tim in in many sports in the United States uh, players get traded quite frequently without necessarily getting their approval to do so you know whereas in the AFL it's quite often the player initiating to the club saying hey I would I would love to go play for yeah you know, Luke Jackson go play for Fremantle. Um, you know, Brody Grundy, go play for Melbourne. Um, Jeremy Cameron, like, go play for Geelong. Thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, the AFL is you know negotiating right now with the the Players Association, and they're 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 trying to make a push. And again, this is not me as an American saying, "Hey, AFL, you must do this to get with the times." I'm I'm simply you know because the AFL is discussing this because I, I don't want to be that American that says, well, you need to, you know, you need to, you know, do the stuff that we do because the game is pretty awesome the way it is. So, but I guess the AFL is making a push during the negotiations to bring in trades where the, uh, the player can be traded without actually wanting to necessarily be traded. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about that? I don't know. I, I think, to some degree, yes, it's a good idea um, if you want to change up your list to in- increase performance mm-hmm. um, and so that you can trial different things. But I think because in Australia, the clubs are owned by members. I'm not sure whether at least some of the trades that would be on offer would fly very well. And a lot, That's of, a mem- good point. A lot of members might be unhappy with that. Um, so, you know, members can, will often threaten to stop their membership for even minor things. So um, if they feel like their favorite player or that the club is make, making the wrong decision um, and the player is saying, I don't want to actually move, then I think there would be quite a lot of controversy around it. Okay. The other difficulty is I'm not sure if we're at the point where there's enough, when there's enough parity in, in the league for, for it to really be viable. And 
Mm-hmm. This is going to be this is an issue that's going to be pushed back so much by the players' association. I don't really think much is going to come from this, honestly, because um, because the players' association of the AFL is way more powerful than any that you've got in you know the major U.S. leagues. This would be them giving up so much of their leverage if they allow this to if they allow us to go through or if they allow like kind of a different type of contract where it's possible where some players if they aren't getting pay enough or it's you know worked into their deal some of them have no trades or clauses or things like that yeah yeah i don't mm. see much coming from this honestly well mm. i know um culturally it won't it won't fly very well right right yeah that's yeah that's and i'm, I'm yeah i'm looking at you know another uh, john ralph article from today from uh code sports and i think it was in the herald sun to begin with um where he's saying you know that the uh, the chief executive from the magpies craig kelly is in favor of having uh, the mid-season trade period where he thinks that we should, that, that the league should open up to allow clubs to trade players in the middle part of the season. And uh, ironically, ironically, he, he makes a, uh, he, he makes reference to uh, you know, the, the third ruck for Essendon, Nick Bryan as being somebody who might, you know, be able to find uh, some playing time at another club. Oh, I don't know one that might need a ruck that has black and white stripes on their uh, numbers. Mm-hmm. Who knows? <laughs> well, actually, Patrick Dangerfield had been talking about um, you know, the idea of a midseason yeah. trade period. Yeah. Um, he mentioned it, I think, because of how crazy the NBA trade deadline mm-hmm. was. This was a tweet that he had back in February. We talked about it then on our show. If if there was a midseason trade period, I think you know consent would still concept for the player would still be necessary and yeah i don't know i think it's i think it's all talk right right well what if they i'm saying this from across the pacific right what if they did something you know if let's just say that hypothetically it comes into play what if the league you know what if the league and and the, the players association agreed to let's say that that uh that player if they um if they get traded you know, and it's somebody who maybe doesn't want to be traded and they, they finally, you know, say, okay, let's theoretically, let's, let's say that they do that, that, that there becomes like a kicker in their contract, which bumps their salary up by 20% to help maybe cover expenses and that sort of thing. Because then it, because then it might become, you know, something that the player says, okay, you know, I'm only going across town. And I could use the extra, you know, $60,000 or whatever it might be. Um, you know, so may- maybe there would be some sort of an incentive that would be built in for the player to allow them to do that as well. You know, maybe, it, maybe there's, you know, they would void maybe the last year, if they had two years left on the contract, maybe it would void the last year of their contract, allow them to become a, you know, a free agent earlier to allow them to then select where do they want to go? Because, you know, in, you know, in, 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 this happens a lot in baseball, even, I think even more so than in the NBA, you know, where you get players that get traded to a club for, for two months that are going to become free agents because, you know, the team's not going to be able to resign that person. You guys are A's fans. I'm a Cleveland. I've been a Cleveland Indians fan my entire life. We are basically farm teams for the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, you know, the Cubs, whomever that, you know, the Cardinals, whoever needs, you know, a player. Oh, let's go to Cleveland. Let's go to Oakland and get them. They'll take some prospects. And Pittsburgh does that a lot too. I think it would definitely like make the end of the season, like the gap between the top and bottom way uh-huh. bigger, like say 
you've got a guy on an expiring contract and you're right, like right. bottom four on the ladder. Yeah. Like Hawthorne or North or whoever would have every incentive to trade a guy like that to a contender. Right. And I mean, I think that aspect, like, I think it's fun because it's like this guy, you know, can become a hero for a team after playing for them for all of two months. I think that's really entertaining, but I think a lot of it would have to stem from like the language and contracts, whether that's, you know, having a no trade clause or having like escalators on the deal. If you're yeah. traded mid season or yeah. whatever, whatever it may be, there would have to be a lot of, hmm. a lot of stipulations there in order to introduce that to begin with. Yeah. And the difficulty from our side talking about it, the difficulty from our side talking about it is there's, you know, no transparency regarding salary. So, so you know, we have no idea what clubs' cap situations right, right. actually are. So, I mean, yeah, we know the Gold like, Coast is bad because they had to trade away Jack Bowes as a salary dump. Yes, yeah. Go ahead, Tim. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just don't know how much that would all cost in the end. You know, if, right, if right. you have to within the limits of the cap, and people, maybe some clubs will get into trouble. Um, you know, buying all these traded players and having to pay them more yeah um, just to make up for that they they might end up losing in the end right and what are the blues going to breach the cap again <laughs> well i mean but that's but i mean that's what happens in in here in in you know like you know in baseball and such where that you know a team may be, may feel that they have that one piece that they are missing to win a world series you know maybe the difference they need is that. baseball doesn't have a cap True. Well, I think they should, but that's that's just me. Uh, but uh, another reason why I'm another reason why I'm not following the game. Not to mention, not to mention that Jose Altuve is not selling hot dogs in the very stadium he used to perform in. I don't think any of those Astros should still be playing baseball. I think they should be just like the Chicago Black Sox. They should have been banished forever. I think that's not the commissioner. Yeah. No, I know. Oh, I know it is. Which is why, which is why I despise that man, because I. I, I'm I'm a much bigger baseball fan than I was fan of you know, of football, basketball, any other sport, and he's he's destroyed the game for me. Yeah. So, but you know, if there was that kind of a trade period in in footy, you know, it, and and I've I've used I've used the example of Todd Goldstein, and Todd Goldstein does not want to leave the Roos, but let's just say Todd Goldstein said, "Yes, I want to leave the Roos. I want to go chase a ring somewhere." Um, in what might be his last year, I want to go play another a final series. You know, if if the Ruse were able to bring in, say, a a a late first round pick for him, I mean that could help to jumpstart their rebuild and bring something, you know, bring in another, you know, youngster that's gonna help to to boost them up the ladder, hopefully more quickly. Whereas, you know, in two or three years, you know, Todd Goldstein's gonna probably be on the coaching staff. Yeah, I think but... I think in footy, like if you want to develop an area of your team, you mm-hmm. take you take guys from the draft and then you do it over a number of years. Right, right. Rather than immediately trying to get someone in and hopefully everything is fixed. Yeah. Because you want to develop the player within the team that you have rather than see if if the, you know, maybe the square peg fits around hole kind of situation because right. it's, yeah, you see it with like when we got Lob right, he didn't immediately perform for the Bulldogs. He didn't immediately just blow everything out of the water like we were expecting. 
right? Because he's such a good player for his other team or his previous team doesn't mean that he would necessarily smash it out of the park when he when he came over and he was kind of our big ticket item for the year. Yeah. So like, and you, but you see like our draftees from a couple of years ago, um, even you know like Tim English, they developed this player and he's just now an elite player. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, he is. Yes. Because yeah. he he needed a tall. We needed a tall in, in a ruck. You know, back back in the Premiership, uh, Marcus Bundepelli was the second tallest, and now he's probably what the seventh tallest or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's so like yeah. you, we started this development to 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 uh, you know get give depth and breadth to the team. Right. Over right. Years. Yeah, and uh, and you know. And again, you know, as I'd mentioned, you know, this is not me advocating this. I'm just, you know, reading, you know, what John Ralph is reporting that, you know, that they're they're talking about it and just hypothesizing here. So I don't, I don't, I don't know if I don't know if I necessarily would want to have it happen either, because I mean, I, I guess I kind of like the uh, the excitement, you know, of the, the trade period, and you know, you better get your ducks in a row in those two or three weeks, or you've got an entire year to deal with that list. You know, because you don't you don't have anything else. So, and uh, just had uh, Mick Aussie jump on here as well. Mick, how are you doing, sir? Yeah, doing all right. Just got in the car and heading off. Yeah, what's up? Oh, we're just we're talking about uh, the. We went through some of the games and talked about them, and we you know, we talked about how the the Crows Hawks game was a win win for both of them, even though the Crows got the points. And we've been talking about the. The AFLPA negotiating or talking about trying to bring in a uh, a trade period, um, you know, uh, trades where maybe the players don't want to be traded, and the uh, the CEO of the Magpies suggesting that they should bring in the midseason trade period. What are you thinking on that? Yeah, why not? I agree with that. Especially look at uh, Collingwood running out of Rockland, something like that. Also bringing more uh, older age players, absolutely. But yeah, Crows were lucky. Wow, eh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you're on with uh, with Ben and Ethan from uh, the Americans Watching the Footy and uh, Tim Althred, who's going to be uh, on my next interview episode that's going to be coming out here very, very shortly. Yeah, yeah, I see them on Twitter, Americans Watching Footy. Oh, yeah, good on, good on them. Yeah, they do. They do a fantastic job. These two, these two guys. They have they have taken this game by storm. Now, I don't know. You know it's, Thank uh, you. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Howdy, Mick. Hey, doing good. So yeah, hanging in there. It's uh, getting toward mid afternoon here in uh in California. You know, the other thing that I I saw today was that uh, that the uh, that uh, Albanese, the uh, the um, prime minister, has announced that uh, they are ready to announce the funding for the new stadium in Tasmania. So it sounds like the the nineteenth club might be a foregone conclusion, or or who knows, maybe maybe a relocated eighteenth club with a new name. Who knows? Uh, Tassie team nineteen, Canberra team twenty, please. I think Canberra <laughs> team twenty. Okay. Canberra, Canberra, Canberra roundabouts. <laughs> the Giants oh, get more fans in Canberra than they do in Sydney, and I and. That's firstly a compliment to the fans in the ACT for showing out, and also just 
a knock against the Giants, partially because, you know, them sharing their time with Canberra means they can't really focus on being that, that secondary market in Sydney and, you know, going out toward regional New South Wales. And so I, I think it could end up being a win for the Giants in a way for them not to have that Canberra connection, even with the Tom Green fan club being what it is. Tom Green was actually <laughs> suspended this week. Yes. He spent the game watching with the fan club. As wow. the Giants lost to the Brisbane Lions. Okay, I didn't. I didn't realize he was up there. Yeah, that is. Uh, yeah. So, Tim, what what do you think? Where do you think the uh, if the nineteenth does come in in uh, in in Tassie? Where do you think the twentieth club is going to be? Is it going to be Canberra? I don't think so. Um, I think it'll come from from the blue, like these. Some of these have been, <laughs> like the Gold Coast was a bit out of the blue. Greater Western Sydney is a bit out of the blue as well. So I, it could just come from anywhere. Whoever puts up the money, who has the interest, who has the political will okay. to do so. But so excited, about a, uh, so excited about a, a Tasmanian team, really. Like that is, that would be incredible to have in the yeah. league. And I would I rem- I please support seeing, them as my um, second or third team. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I remember seeing talks of, of a team maybe being out around Bunbury in. Uh, in the southern part of Western Australia, um, so maybe that sort of resort area could be could be another one that pushes. Um, I can't see it being an NT team just because I don't think you got the population center, and it would have to be a dome stadium up there. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, definitely would have to be a dome. Yeah, um, yeah. Which I think you you know if you're, I think theoretically you could maybe do that because you know there there is so much footy talent. In the in the Northern Territories, in the Darwin area, that I I, I think you know, despite the you know the climate difference, I think that that almost is an an, an inevitability that that they would have to look at that sometime in the future to ha- to have a club there. But you know, the population issue might be might be a, a problem. You know, and, and and I think in that situation, you know, you might see where they uh, they might be playing you know games possibly in like Townsville maybe as well. A few games there, kind of like GWS does with. Uh, with going to the the ACT, yeah, I think it would be because of gather round. It would be, I think people would like to see Norwood as a team. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because and yeah. I, um, I think I just did. I talk to oh yeah, I talked to uh, the, my most recent uh, Zobes who I had on here just recently, who coaches at uh, Adelaide Lutheran, um, was involved with them. Is is actually a member of that club, and I. You know, since uh, they're the what are they called? They're the Norwood, the the red lights. Yeah, yeah. I just you know I didn't know if they would have to change their you know their name to something that was not wood related to keep the magpies from getting <laughs> upset at them. Um, <laughs> it was something like you know fib- fibrous vertical you know uh, plant material, something at the nor something you know, you know just something snarky like that. But yeah, I I would fully support more games in Cairns because we need more teams to get combined to kick 931 like the game that was there last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember there being a game there. It probably was, it has to be 2016, 2017. And I'm thinking it was Gold Coast and North Melbourne that played up there in a, uh, what we would call a hurricane. I mean, they were lit. I mean, the the water it was raining sideways in this game, and 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 the ball would hit 
the, the turf and it would just stick there because the water was just was so you know was just so saturated into the ground it was it and i think it was like a very very low scoring game i don't think it yeah, anybody got out of the 40s in that game Found it. yeah uh looking on finalsiren.com um might have been the 2018 opener gold coast 7 13 55 defeating north 5 9 39 that was probably it yeah that's a website. Man, I'm not scoring sure. 55 in Cairns is an accomplishment these days. <laughs> so, um, Mick, are you still there, sir? What What are your thoughts on where the uh, the twentieth would go? Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, where Where do you think the twentieth the twentieth game should go, or the twentieth club should well, go? I, I think. Well, my opinion is they should keep it at 18. I think North Melbourne should play all their home games in Tasmania and then the Melbourne people still get a fair few of the away games. So basically it's Tasmania and Melbourne and few interstate games for the North Melbourne Kangaroos. That's my personal opinion. But if you're going to bring in 19, you might as well bring in 20. Mm -hmm. And I'd be leaning towards the Darwin... Uh, Darwin with a few games in Alice Springs. Um, but it's the TV rights. If the TV rights keep going up in value and two more teams get some more TV rights, so that's the way the AFL look at it. But I think it's pretty disgusting when you're, you're watching a game in North America where we are and you see 2,000 people at GWS Stadium. It's, it's not good for the image, right? Right. I'd agree with you there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. those two thousand people—they're feral and they're loud. Oh my god! Have you have you been to a game at GWS? Oh yeah, when I lived in Sydney okay. and I saw the Bulldogs games mm -hmm. um, with the great rivals, GWS. Yeah, uh, you know the the final series and and their you know, home and away games. Oh man, they are so loud. So they're passionate. Were you, were you there for the prelim in twenty sixteen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Absolutely. Yeah, it was incredible, incredible stuff. But when we when the Bulldogs lost out there, oh, we felt it really hard. That's a <laughs> step to the chest. Yeah, it's uh, I I I just I just wonder if they're if it if they're ever going to gain traction. I mean, they've had some success on you know on the field. You know, I mean, uh, you know, on the on the oval, they 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 played well. I mean, and I think they're a better team than than they're standing on the ladder right now is as well. You know, with the uh, you know, despite having you know trade, you know, they're looking at what the number three pick from uh, Richmond right now, um, which has got to make him pretty happy. Uh, and I don't know about you, but uh, you know, I and, and I don't like to sledge on any club, but I don't mind seeing Richmond all the way down there at all. I don't mind it. <laughs> oh, I don't mind it either. The way they've, I love I really, it. Love it. I really don't. The way they've been, you know, I'm. I just don't. Ethan, I'm, what was the comment that you had yesterday? It was something about Richmond switching roles? Yeah, like between 2020 and now, Richmond and Collingwood have like flipped in a lot of ways. Where like you know, Collingwood's ruthlessly efficient, and you know they're gonna finish a game strong. And Richmond, you know, they're gonna be brutes and they're gonna do something dumb. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, that said, I couldn't believe seeing the stat the other week. I think um, entering this round, going from 2018 on, Richmond have given up 55 more 50 meter penalties than any other team. 
55 more? You didn't really think about that lack of discipline when they were winning. Uh-huh. Did you say 55 more? Correct. Wow. Wow. That is, uh, holy cow. Yeah, it's holy pretty cow. staggering. Yeah. Huh. Oh, well. Well, gents, um, anything else for the good of the uh, discussion before we wrap up here? I don't, you know, I'm, uh, you know, we, we talked about many of the games. I, I guess, yeah, maybe we should probably talk about the, uh, you know, the Collingwood game. We did, we did discuss it a little bit, but it just, you know, was Essendon, was, was Collingwood that good in the fourth quarter? Or did Essendon just run out of gas? Did they expend all their energy before the It was game? both. I think Essendon, they missed a couple of really important shots that would have put them in pretty good shape. I'm going to pull mm-hmm. up my notes. I remember one that would have been a quick answer, I think, by Jai Menzi that hit the post, and then obviously the miss by Draper that would have put him back in front. Yeah. yeah. I, thought, I thought Menzi, I think he's a really solid player, but he looked young and inexperienced in that fourth quarter. Uh, Wiedemann had one where he hit the post on the run that would have put him back up by 28 and not getting that. Yeah. That was big. And Mick, have you had also, a don't, Go ahead. Don't want to overlook the, this. Jake Stringer, fourth quarter. One handball. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, there. I, I said, I, I remember saying it on Twitter recently. Like, the difference between his ceiling and his floor is something around the height of the Burj Khalifa. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, but when he's on, he's good. I I I've said he's kind of like a uh, he's kind of like an Italian sports car. He spends a lot of time in the shop, but when it's running well, it runs really really well. But it doesn't run well very often. You know, it's uh, I just I I just you know, and I and I and I don't know if you guys have ever seen this footage, and I and I hate to bring it up, but uh, you know, having and I know I know Mayacek was you know decided to hip check what the, one of the goalposts today. And I can't remember who the other player was from the pies that ran into it, but. Uh, it wasn't another. Oh, are, are you talking about um, during the game? It was one pie and one bottle. It was oh, Matthew. Who? It was the other. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So post. yeah, it was, it was, oh yeah. Cause it was my check. It was the pie then. Yeah. Um, but, and I think it was at that same end back in 2016 or 2017 where Tim Broomhead went to, you know, playing defense was, you know, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen this footage. It, it's, it's horrifying to watch where he went to go to spoil a ball and went to kick it and he missed and he, he hit the post and his leg, his lower leg basically wrapped around the post. Mm. Oh, it was, and it was, you know, and, and nobody knew it cause he fell behind the, he fell behind the goal and he's laying, but he's laying behind the goal for like three or four minutes before anybody realizes that he is injured and, you know, and the camera cuts to him and you can see him writhing in pain there and the game is going on. And the, 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 you know, the, the, the runners and such don't realize that, that he's hurt. They, they, they're not, they haven't counted to 18 yet. They, there's only 17 guys out there. And it just, I was thinking, gosh, I hope I don't want to see that again, but it was just, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty scary. I thought, you know, you know, my check, I, you know, is just a, is a tough guy anyway. And I, yeah, before we go, and I did see there was a, a young man who, you know, for those of us who are here in the U.S., you know, that, that you know, 
went into and and you know him you being in the profession that you are you know being a physician um i don't know if you saw this that there was a, a young man uh yeah. 26 or 28 that went into cardiac arrest during a game this weekend yeah well yeah. i thought your tribute yeah. was um very fitting and and well done and i hope uh the club has also reached out to you as well is well, that no, the case no yeah. th no that's that's the young man in in south australia that passed away oh uh, yeah yeah this was this was another this was another young man who went into arrest during the game and they you know he they said he was without without a heartbeat for like five minutes and they were able to get his heart started again and right. i saw on instagram there were photos of him in the hospital on instagram uh with uh it was a nurse who happened to be at the game and yeah. and i guess they you know, because I know that the, the the Greg Page, who was who was the Yellow Wiggle, okay, I you know yeah. I my kids grew up watching the Wiggles, and I still probably have all the VHS tapes in the basement. From them. Yeah, there you go. Um, but you know he's you know if you follow him on uh, on LinkedIn, he he has you know because he had a similar event happen a couple of years ago uh, where he yeah. went into cardiac arrest during a, a performance. And he, he is now kind of the ambassador for getting the, the, the defib machines in pretty much every location possible around Australia. And it's just, you know, yeah. it's, it's, heroic. Yeah, it's heroic work that he's doing. And, and, and I yeah. guess with this, this young man, um, that went into arrest is, is, you know, that they're, they're using this as kind of a reminder to the clubs to, to, you know, cause I guess they provided, um, these defib machines to a lot of clubs back in like 2012 and and you know i would think that maybe if they haven't tested them they probably want to test and they're kind of saying test your machines to make sure they're still working yeah. um because you know i don't know if you saw that there was a, an nfl player that went into arrest during a game earlier this year and he's just you know just this week has been cleared for all football activities again so he's going to go back to play football again yeah amazing yeah so it was just yeah, I, yeah. Was was the the second one that you mentioned um, where he 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 actually survived the ordeal? Was it a blow to the chest? I yeah. Let me see if it'll pop. I mean, it po just popped up on my feed on uh, Instagram earlier yeah. today. I'm gonna look and see if it shows up here again real quickly while I have this uh, up here. Yeah. Okay. No, it's not that. Yeah. It's not a picture of Stormy Daniels. I don't know why Stormy Daniels is showing up on my thread. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah if if people don't know who stormy daniels is just go through life being happy you don't know who that is um, <laughs> <laughs> um and i'm not okay i'm seeing pictures that and there, there's no rhyme or reason on on instagram as to what shows up on my screen and i have no idea why yeah. things show up on here you know stuff that i don't and it's I'm yeah, not... apparently this phenomenon of uh uh getting a blow to the chest and then having um ventricular fibrillation which results in cardiac arrest is was like quite well studied in the baseball area where mm -hmm. young kids were getting a blow to the chest from getting hit by the ball right right um, and also it's been studied in other areas of sports as well. Um, so it's quite an interesting phenomenon where, uh, if you get a blow, a significant blow to the chest over the heart, 
just at this very specific time within it's like 10 10 to 30 millisecond window mm -hmm. uh, through the cardiac cycle it's like getting a huge defibrillation when you shouldn't so then you go into a, a rest with that this wow. is a phenomenon called um uh commotia cordis I think that was what people thought happened at first to Tamar Hamlin. Uh-huh. Yeah. The the Bills player. If yeah. I could, if I could spell here, I'd be uh I'm just trying to search uh I'm I'm not having any luck here finding it. Um yeah. but uh I, but yeah, I'm on just, I'm on a different computer right now, so that reinforces the fact that we should have, you know, uh trained people in first aid CPR and have defibrillation um, people in the clubs knowing where it is in the club to go get it um, people who are confident in doing it okay and I have refreshes every year on, I, ju I just found it here on these these skills okay um, is a young man he's 20 I guess he was 26 years old that uh, he plays for a club called Keysboro in uh in uh in the southern suburbs of uh melbourne it looks like um but he was at, he was at K the carom the carom downs recreational reserve is where this happened so again not having been to melbourne before i'm not exactly sure where that is but uh a teammate raced over to remove his mouth guard uh the, the trainers for the two clubs uh raced out to perform cpr Volunteer then grabbed the, the defib from the bar area at the venue, but it was defective with a second one from the trainer's room sourced. Um, the trainers worked on him for about 10 minutes before an ambulance arrived. Um, oh, good Lord. However, the ambulance was unable, was initially unable to drive onto the field because the key to open the main gate could not be sourced. That's where you go ahead and you, uh, after the game, you go to Bunnings Warehouse. To, I'm going to use a technical term here to go buy a new goddamn gate. You just run the ambulance through the gate. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, mm. yeah. Wow. Well, you know, if, if yeah, uh, it's probably a reminder that clubs should, you know, run through scenarios uh -huh. like that. Yeah, exactly. So that they remember, okay, maybe it is difficult to get the key for the gate, you know? Yes, so, yes. If everyone had a job, you know, you get the key, you get the defib, I'm going to do CPR, right. the next person will take over me so that we're doing effective compressions, et cetera, then, yeah, yeah. if yeah. they ran through scenarios a little bit, then that would be awesome. You know, that's what we do in hospital. I, I bet, yeah. Um, to make sure that the team is actually working effectively. You have to prepare for that sort of thing. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not any different than, you know, the, than the, you know, the club actually training. Is that you have to be, you know, you have to be willing to, you know, to put the time into that sort of thing. And I know that, you know, the school where I teach, I know that there are, I know there's one at the stadium, there's one in our gymnasium, I believe there's one in our cafeteria, and I think there's also one in our main office. I think we have four of them in our building, or three in the building and one at our football stadium. Um, That's a lot. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. So I know there's at least three. There might be a fourth one, actually. But, uh, mm -hmm. and it's just, you know, it's, it is, uh, you know, because we we've had we've had athletes, you know, we've we had an athlete who would, who as a freshman, collapsed during a uh, like a summer league basketball game and and passed away, 
um, as a reason, you know, and some, something similar to that, though. So, well, gentlemen, I want to thank all of you for hopping on here today. This was a this was a lot of a lot of fun and some definitely some serious discussion as well. But you know, great to get people's perspectives on uh, on on things. Uh, before we go, um, taking a look ahead at uh, next week, next round. What are, you know? Each one of you, as we go through here, what game are you looking forward to next round? Why don't we start with you, Ethan? I mean, kind of Caps Bombers, because I'm interested in how Essendon's going to respond. Mm -hmm. I'd rather play a cupcake, but I guess that one. And then I hate not being excited about Brisbane Frio. Maybe Frio, maybe this is the week they finally get it together, but I doubt it. And then I think the obvious <laughs> one is the uh, the Crows-Pies game to close out the round. I think that's going to be pretty yeah. great. Yeah. Sunday definitely has the more appealing games than Saturday this round, which is um, yep, not yeah. usually the case. What are you thinking there, Ben? I mean, I'd, I'd already uh, you know talked up that Crows Pies game. Right, bit. right. The, the Friday nighter though it, is uh, going to be really big as well. St Kilda and again uh, hosting a really informed Port. Saints have had trouble with Port for the past few years. Port will be without Tom Jonas, but I think they're honestly probably better for it, and they're finding some better spots for some of their players. I'm loving how this sort of newer utilization of Jeremy Finlayson as a ruck and going forward from there, Darcy Byrne-Jones as a pressure half-forward. So I think it could be really they're, it could be like kind of an early season referendum on on both of those teams with yeah. this with this real interstate test here, especially for Port. Well, I think they're going to be without Todd Marshall also because he was concussed this past week, right? And Georgiades tore his ACL so, so, tore his ACL in a VFL game, so he's done for the year as well. So they're a little thin up front now. So Finlayson becomes even more important. Hopefully, Charlie Dixon's able to slot yeah. back in. Yeah, I think you're going to need to see Ryan Burton. Probably playing forward yep. there. More chances for Ali Lord in his second game against a team that doesn't fall over in the second quarter like the Eagles. Yep. So, Tim, what are you thinking, sir, as far as the game you're looking forward to this round? Well, I agree with what's been said already. Um, Port Adelaide come back. You know, they, they'll come from a win, and St Kilda will from a loss, and St Kilda will need to to get some confidence again to maintain their top ladder positions. Um, I really looking forward just to, for, uh, sentimental value is that Bont will be having his 200th game. There you go. Um, the, for the Bulldogs Hawthorne game. Uh, I think most tipsters would say Bulldogs would win this one. Um, right. and I hope we do. And, uh, I think, yeah, I'm so jealous that my wife will be able to go to the game. I'll be working and, um, <laughs> Yeah, they'll be able to celebrate together with the the team um, for that milestone. Um, I was just, un it's unfortunate that his long term teammate Tom Livatoro won't be able to play right um, right side. And I just wanted, I just uh, trying to figure out who they would put in for Tom's position. They might move Trelaw into it. I'm not exactly sure exactly mm -hmm. what will happen, but. Um, It'll be interesting to see how the midfield would change without Libertori there. What's the status of Bailey Smith going into this week? He's missed the last couple. 
yeah, I think he's still under test for his calf injury. Um, so hopefully he comes back. He never kind of played directly in that very, like just in, in you know, in the ruck area. Um, he was more like a long wing and I think he's best placed there still, but maybe Trelaw will come in for Tom's position, trying to get low and dirty over the ball. So, before yeah, we... so like you could, you could have Trelaw coming inside and then maybe having maybe two or three Baileys kind of helping there uh, yeah. on the wings to kind of fill the hole that that moving Trelaw leaves. Yeah. And so... hopefully they keep him where he was this, this last couple of weeks and, you know, he he just blitzes it again um, and shows us who he really is. Okay, before we go to Mick, um, Tim, let me ask you this. You know, I, you're not going to be able to be at the game, but you might have a few minutes of hope, – hopefully you have a few minutes of downtime here or there that it's not a busy night for you. Um, which which station will you have the game on on the radio? Uh, I'll probably have it on my on my phone. Okay. Just get the KO up on the phone and put it right next to the computer while working away. There you go. Okay. Um, okay. So you'll be watch you'll be watching it then. Okay. <laughs> Good deal. That works. That works. Yeah. That works. And Mick Mick, I have a feeling I know which game you're most excited about. Well, first of all, good listening to the Bulldogs fan. Bonton Pelly's an absolute legend, so I'm a bit of a Bulldogs fan and hope they keep coming good because they had a great win last week. I'm looking forward to the Suns hopefully beating those Rotten Tigers and following up on their good win uh, against Kangaroos. I think they're a chance. I don't know. I'm not sure I'm going to pick them yet, but I think they're a chance. And yes, at this stage, I'm leaning towards the Crows for the main reason of the Collywobbles on a five-day break and coming off that huge mental game and high against the Bombers. And we know that football is so much mental. Not sure if mentally they'll be able to come up uh, against the Crows. So I think the Crows were a real, real chance in Adelaide over the Collingwood Magpies. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, I'm looking, uh, you know, and, and you guys all mentioned some great ones there. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to Sydney GWS to see how Sydney bounces back after the Cats game. Because I, you know, that's a, that's, that is a good club that was just, that, that was doing a really good imitation of the Eagles last week, just decimated with injuries. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure who all they're going to be getting back this week. You know, they're probably not going to be getting back to McCartan Brothers. You know, uh, Marty's certainly not going to be back. I don't know if Buddy's going to be back. You know, will Rampy be back? You know, it, but it's just, it's just, you know, GWS is a good side. And this is going to be a test for Sydney. And Sydney could, you know, start to slide down the cliff a little bit if, if they drop this one here, I think. You know, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what Sydney does at the SCG for this one. Should also be a great looking game too. Sydney Derby tends to have some of the best jumper clashes in the league, and um, mm-hmm. we had a terrible one yesterday, or lack oh. thereof. Oh, with the with the yeah the yeah with the uh, the D's and the or the uh, the bombers and the pies. It was a little tough to tell them apart. Yeah, yeah, because I I didn't should have had red pants. Or they could have even worn the red the red. Although you know, I get it with me, with it being Anzac Day that you want to have the the red sash with the poppies. I, I completely understand, but I think you could even do the, you know, they've done the the red jumper with the red sash before. So I, I don't know. Would that 
Tim, Tim, let me ask you before we before we close out here: Would that have not gone over well with the public had they gone with the red jumper and the red sash with the poppies, you know, incorporated into the sash? Would that have would that have they taken heat in the press for that? Do you think? Mm, yeah, I think that I think especially for the Anzac game, they want okay. to look a bit more traditional, okay. but still have the motifs of Anzac. Yeah. 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 Okay. I. I thought that might be the case, but that's just, I, yeah. I wasn't sure about that. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank each and every one of you, uh, Tim, uh, Mick, Ethan, Ben, for coming on. This was a, a fun chat, and uh, you, made my, you made my job very easy here tonight because I, I just got to kind of hang out and, uh, and, you know, listen to, you know, four absolutely wonderful footy fans who love their clubs and, and love this game. And, you know, we hopefully, you know, those of you who, you know, checked in, we'd love to hear what you think about, uh, about the uh, um, the possibility of the trade period, the, the Tasmanian club, and uh, Ben and Ethan, where can people find your material, sir? Where can they find you on social media? Where can they find your podcast? And and Mick, we'll come over to you right after that, then, sir. So, uh, together, my brother Ethan and I are Americans watching the footy. That podcast is available on all major platforms. On Twitter, we are at Americans Footy. Personally, I'm on Twitter at BenjaminHK01. Most of my footy content there is somewhat Eagles-related. Ethan? Yeah, I am at Castle Media, but most of my footy stuff is at Americans Footy on Twitter, just like Benjamin. We share the account. We tag each of our tweets so you can tell who's who. Okay, so have have one of you ever... It's Castle with a K, by the way. Yeah. And also Ethan's cat Ryan is on Instagram at cat named Ryan. Yeah. So have have either of you ever changed the password on the Twitter account and just not told the other one for a while? No, but that's a good idea for a strike <laughs> or something. All right. Hey, Mick, where can people that's find t- go ahead? That's a total older brother move. There you go. Mick, where can people find you, sir? I'd like people to go to uh, mickozzy.tv. That's M-Y-K-Ozzy.tv slash AFL. Because I've done the edits of all the shows I go on Friday night on New York Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159 with Gabe. So I uh, I think that's good content and I do the edit and Gabe loves the AFL, as you know. Mm-hmm. And occasionally, you know, well, you show up here occasionally as well, too, so... And we're going to be talking again on Thursday, I believe. Yep, I got yep. the links on my podcast section to your show, of course. Fantastic. And uh, Tim, if 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 you would like to have people following you on social media, where might they be able to follow you, sir? Because you know you're going to be on an upcoming episode of the podcast with just you there. And we we talk. And just to preview this, folks, we talked about some some very interesting topics, which I'm not going to tease here, but there's some very interesting topics that we have not touched on in this episode at all. So where can people find yeah. you, sir? Uh, I'm not super active on, on uh, social media. I'm more of an observer, but if you really wanted to follow me doing nothing, it's at T-I-M-O-U-T-H-R-E-D. So just my name um, yeah. on Instagram. Tim Outhred, yes. And, and I, <laughs> I made the... I made the snarky comment the other day when we spoke about, you know, it's like, you know, when you drop a sewing machine on your foot. 
Um, That's right. Yeah, it was a bad. It was a. It was a bad joke, Dan. It's even worse yeah. now that I've said it a second time. Well, Make it really <laughs> bad. I like it. <laughs> hey, I. I, I just a, wanted to say that uh, you know you guys are doing incredible work, and you know as an Aussie uh, following the footy and hearing that our American friends are doing the same, it's just incredible that you can follow footy and that you do and you love it. And I, when I tell my friends that I am following these guys who are American and loving the footy, they just, their eyes go like this going, what? This is unbelievable, you know? And, so and, well done and kudos to you guys. And I'm going to speak for Ben and Ethan and for Mick, even though Mick is from South Australia, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say what they're thinking right now. Share the links, share the links. <laughs> well, guys, I hope you have a fantastic evening or a fantastic morning, as the case may be. And uh, Tim, I appreciate you, uh, you know, hopping on this morning. And Ben and Ethan, always love following what you guys do. And Mick, you know, I, I couldn't do what I'm doing without you, you helping out every week, man. I do truly appreciate that. Awesome. Thanks, man. Okay. Thanks, Cheers, thanks. guys. Yep. Thanks again. Bye-bye, guys. Talk to you soon. Uh-huh. Bye-bye.